Hey everybody, this is Steve Carroll, and this is Ortho Board Review, Part 1, Thorax and Upper Extremities, for EmergencyBoardReview.com. Again, a little bit about myself. My name is Steve Carroll, and I run the EM Basic Podcast, which is your boot camp guide to emergency medicine. I review common emergency medicine chief complaints at the level of a medical student or intern. You can get it for free on iTunes or EMBasic.org. And as always, this podcast does not represent the views or opinions of the Department of Defense, the U.S. Army, the Fort Hood Post Command. So let's get started. Here's an overview, just in general, of what we're going to be talking about section by section throughout this review. So in general, just a few things to keep in mind. All non-displaced fractures should get immobilized, whereas displaced or foobarred fractures need surgery. Some of these fractures will need surgery more urgently than others. Uh, you want to reduce dislocations in a timely manner, uh, more emergent dislocations if there's neurovascular compromise, and make sure to get ABIs on all your lower extremity in- injuries. We'll talk about that in a little bit. So the clavicles, um, you can separate these in first, second, and third degree tears. Uh, the important one to know is a third degree tear. So this is a tear with dislocation of the clavicle. So this can be an orthopedic emergency if you have neurovascular compromise or shortness of breath. Uh, what you're going to do is that you're going to need to reduce these in the emergency department. Uh, you're going to need to pull traction on the arm and pull, push the clavicle down manually or pull the clavicle up with a towel clip if it's a posterior dislocation. So posterior dislocation should get worked up for major trauma because 25% of these will have major injuries to the esophagus, trachea, and major vessels. So probably low yield, but something to keep in mind. So this is a little picture of just a clavicle fracture right here. And this is a more, uh, more severe clavicle fracture as well. And this is your complete disruption of the clavicle. So as far as their disposition, for the vast majority of clavicle fractures, you're going to want to do sling, pain control, and ortho follow-up. So an attending of mine once said, if the fragments are within the same county, they'll probably heal just fine. Uh, some recommend immediate evaluation by orthopedics for severe skin tenting. Um, this figure of eight immobilization is kind of old school falling out of favor because it causes neurovascular compromise, so don't do that. Um, there's a wide variation in practice among orthopedists in as far as your need for surgery. So the bottom line for the test, if you have a third-degree clavicle uh, fracture, uh, then you're going to investigate for major trauma, reduce versus emergent operative fixation, uh, and or for respiratory symptoms. So your AC joint, um, this is just a little diagram of what we're talking about as far as the AC joint and all the ligaments. You know, there's, uh, once again, there's many types here. You're not going to need to know the specific types, um, but they go from one to six, from one being just a little sprain, two being a subluxation, a three being a dislocation where the AC and the CC ligaments are both torn. Um, And then types four through six, there's significant displacement here, uh, greater than half the width of the clavicle. Um, So as far as the mechanisms here, these are a fall onto a shoulder with the arm adducted, so uh, your arm at your side, or a fall onto an outstretched arm. So here's just a diagram just kind of showing you the severity of what you're going to see on a... uh, on an x-ray for these uh, different separations. When you have grade ones, they're just strained. Grade two, you start to see some uh, actual disruptions. And then grade five, the clavicle is not really even in the same ballpark um, anymore. So here's just an a example of an AC separation right there. So as far as their management, type one and type two, you're going to do sling, pain control, and ortho follow-up with physical therapy. Type three, this is an urgent referral with the above steps. They're going to be immobilized versus surgery. surgery. 
Uh, this is controversial, so you don't need to call an orthopedist in the middle of the night, but they should get seen uh, pretty urgently. Type 4 to 6, uh, they get urgent referrals well, and they usually require surgical fixation. So here's the bottom line to remember for the test. If the clavicle is severely displaced, you're going to be more likely to need, to need surgery in the future. Shoulder, uh, let's talk about dislocations. So anterior dislocations are by far the most common. So the way I remember this for which is more common with the shoulder and the elbow is the mnemonic P's. So posterior, elbow, anterior, shoulder. Um, or if you can remember that your anterior dislocation is more common for your shoulder, just know that the opposite is true for the posterior, Whatever uh, for the elbow, I'm sorry. So whatever works for you. So when you're naming dislocations, remember you're referencing the bone distal to the joint when you're talking about the dislocation. So that makes sense for the anterior shoulder dislocations. So the posterior shoulder dislocations, the classic one on the test is that someone has a seizure or high-speed impact, and they're associated with humerus fractures. So this is an example of an anterior shoulder dis, uh, dislocation right there. You can see the humeral head is, you know, way, way out of socket where it should be. Um, and then the other thing that we uh, need to talk about here are the lesions that you'll see. So uh, this little lesion right here that I've kind of blanked out, and then this lesion right here. So the lesion right here, that's uh, referred to as a Bankart lesion. And this lesion over here is referred to a hill Sachs lesion. lesion. Uh, so the way I remember this is that Hill for hill Sachs, head of the humerus. So, uh, so you can see that dent there in the humerus, and you can see that little uh, avulsion right there. That's a Bankart lesion. That's a hill Sachs uh, lesion right there. So these are examples of posterior shoulder dislocations. Um, obviously, these look pretty jacked up from this view, uh, but they can actually be harder to detect than you think. And the way we detect these, uh, the most uh, sensitive, the most sensitive view for detection of posterior dislocations, is this scapular Y view. And I feel like uh, we don't really um, look at this view a lot. We just kind of look at that anterior-posterior view. But uh, this is a normal one where the head of the humerus is right there within that within that cup right there. If you see the head of the humerus uh, head of the humerus uh, to the right on on the rib cage, that's an anterior dislocation. If it's more backwards towards here, that's a posterior dislocation. So posterior shoulder dislocations, these are from that seizure high speed impact. They are associated with humerus fractures, and they can be missed without a scapular Y view. So make sure to get that in addition to your AP view unless the uh, dislocation is really obvious on the AP view. Um, so, for example, this is a posterior shoulder dislocation in an AP view, and, you know, this doesn't look too bad. Um, the next uh, shoulder dislocation, this is kind of rare. Uh, this guy isn't just showing his guns off for the gun show. Uh, his shoulder's actually stuck in this position. So this is called luxatio erecte, and this is an inferior dis shoulder dislocation. And what this happens is this is a hyperabduction of the shoulder, Usually someone's diving to catch a pass and they uh, hyper-abduct uh, their, uh, their arm. They frequently have rotator cuff and inferior capsule tear, and there's a high incidence of neurovascular compromise and proximal humerus fracture, so look out for that. This is an x-ray of a luxatio recte uh, shoulder dislocation, or an inferior shoulder dislocation. Uh, just to mention this, this is a uh, scapular uh, fracture right there. Uh, you need to be suspicious of high-impact trauma if you see one of these. Um, just some random shoulder tib tidbits. If you're going to reduce a, a uh, shoulder dislocation, don't use the Hippocratic technique. That's the foot in the axilla. There's a high complication rate of neurovascular complications, so don't do it. So I'll, remember, always check the sensation of the deltoid. 
Um, so which nerve is this? This is the axillary nerve. Um, it's important to document this pre and post reduction um, just to, you know, for your own charting and for your own reasons. So again, that's the uh, sensation of the deltoids, the axillary nerve. Um, just a little bit of anatomy of the humerus as we move on. You're going to see the anatomical neck and the surgical neck. This is will be important as far as uh, classifying fractures. Um, so proximal humerus fractures, 85% uh, are on that surgical neck. Uh, the immediate treatment is immobilization and pain control. There is this near classification. Um, so for each displaced segment, A equals a higher grade. So for the most part, um, these fractures are two-part surgical neck fractures. Um, if there's no displaced segments, you just immobilize them. If there's displaced segments, you need surgery. Kind of self-intuitive. Um, so if you can see here, uh, these are some examples of some humerus fractures. Obviously, this is uh, a little bit displaced, but not a lot, whereas this one has a lot more displaced fragments. Probably need surgery. So if it's non-displaced and there's no neurovascular compromise, you just do a sugar tongue and a sl sling swath with ortho follow-up. If it's displaced or you have neurovascular compromise, you get immediate reduction in ortho consult. So the question here is which nerve is most commonly involved, and that's the radial uh, nerve. So you're going to want to make sure that you chest check the patient's wrist extension and for any dorsal numbness of the hand. Um, here's some examples of some mid-shaft uh, humerus fractures. Um, go back to that. So, uh, you know, you can see you have like a simple, simple, relatively linear fracture here versus a spiral fracture. This spiral fracture uh, may need reduction um, to prevent neurovascular compromise. So the elbow, um, the big thing high yield on the test is fat pads. So the thing to remember here is that anterior fat pads are normal. Um, if they're larger displaced superiorly and anteriorly, this can indicate a fracture, whereas a posterior pads is posterior fat pad is always pathologic. So posterior pathologic, that's how I remember it. Um, it usually signals a, a fracture and it can be an occult fracture. So what you're going to do is you're going to do this anterior, anterior humeral line. Um, and this is the key to diagnosing elbow fractures, especially in kids. So what you're going to do is that this is a normal elbow x-ray. And if you see that this, uh, this line that you draw right here from the anterior humerus, it comes right in the middle of the joint right there. Um, whereas, and this is a further explanation of that. So the anterior humeral line bisects uh, that part right there. Um, and then, uh, so this tells you that it's normal, okay? So for subchondral fractures, uh, this accounts for 60% of elbow fractures in kids. And the mechanism here is a Fouche injury with hyperextension. Uh, so monkey bars. I didn't know they were so dangerous as a kid until I become an ER doctor and I see kids with this all the time. So Fouche injury with hyperextension, uh, less common if you have a direct blow to, to a posterior part of your flexed elbow. Um, so what you'll see is a posterior fat pad and possibly anterior displacement of the anterior humeral line. Uh, complications, you can get injuries to the brachial artery, the median nerve. It can lead to compartment syndrome, which is Volkmann's ischemic contracture, and you can also have radial and ulnar nerve injury. So this can result in pretty a lot of badness if you don't take care of it quickly. So if you see here, um, if, when you draw that anterior humeral line, you see how it's clearly not within that middle uh, portion of the capitellum. So, you know, that's pretty obvious to see. So you always want to make sure that you uh, draw that line. So supochondral fractures, if they're non-displaced, um, you can use a posterior splint and extremely close follow-up versus an admission. Um, you, they, you want to give these people really good return precautions to return for increased pain or if the child is unable to extend their fingers. 
So, you know, once again, extremely close follow-up versus admission. If they're displaced, um, you're going to reduce them. Uh, uh, this is a reduction that's preferably done by ortho, but you may have to do it if, you, if the patient has severe deficits or there's delay to getting your consultant or transfer arranged. And then they're most likely going to need, need to be pinned. I've seen uh, all of these that I've seen have mostly ended up with immediate surgery. So as far as the rest of the elbow, just forget about it. You know, we can talk all day about lecronon and condylar fractures and all these other things. Um, so the bottom line to remember is that all of them can result in ulnar nerve damage. If they're non-displaced, guess what? You splint them. If they're displaced, then you get an ortho consult. But there is some low-hanging fruit here for the board exam. So these pediatric ossification centers. Um, and the mnemonic here that I was first taught was CRITO, C-R-I-T-O-E. And it tells you um, when these ossification centers uh, start to uh, st start to heal up, I guess is, I don't know if that's the correct term or not. Um, so what you do is that these are just odd numbers here, 1, 3, 5, 7, 9, 11, CRITO. Um, you just go down. And what this tells you is that you know, at this age, you know, for example, by age three, their radial ossification center shouldn't be there anymore. So if you see a ditzel there at age five, then it's a fracture and not an ossification center. However, I learned a later uh, mnemonic. So if you're easily offended, just skip this uh, part. So it's a uh, cum rub my tree of love, uh, capitellum radius, medial epicondyle, trochlea, olecranon, lateral epicondyle. And I like this mnemonic a lot better. First of all, it's uh, you know, easier to remember because it's, uh, you know, a little dirty. But then the other thing is that um, the mnemonic's much better, medial and lateral epicondyle versus the previous slide, which was internal and external epicondyle. And I don't really know what that means. So anyway, um, just uh, some low hanging fruit to remember. This is a picture of the actual ossification centers. Uh, the way they might ask you this is they may show you a kid that, you know, has an ossification center, has a fracture, and then you need to say, well, do they need further referral or is it just normal? Is it not a fracture? So just something to keep in mind. So for elbow dislocations, uh, remember the mnemonic P's. Uh, posterior dislocations for the elbow are more common and anterior dislocations for the shoulder are more common. So the mechanism for elbow dislocations, it's usually a fall into an extended and abducted arm. Fractures are very common and uh, ulnar and median nerve injuries are common as well, as well as brachial artery injuries. So just about anything that runs through the elbow can be uh, injured by these dislocations. So here's a classic example of a uh, posterior elbow dislocation. Um, as far as the reduction technique for this, you're gonna hold traction on the wrist outwards, you're gonna flex the elbow and pull down on the forearm. Um, as far as anterior dislocations, these are much less common, but much more serious. The mechanism is usually a direct blow to the olecranon while the elbow is in flexion. There's a very high incidence of vascular impairment, and avulsion of the triceps is very common with this. This was the best and only picture I could really find online of uh, what an uh, anterior um, elbow dislocation looks like. So you can see that's pretty severe. So nursemaid's elbow, let's talk about this one. This is something that we, we see pretty frequently in the ED. Uh, this is a radial head sublux subluxation in a child that's less than five years old. So the mechanism here is that the child was pulled by an outstretched arm. Um, you know, they were trying to run into traffic and mom or dad pulls their arm back real suddenly. Um, these patients don't want to have their elbow touched. They hold it in pronation kind of close to their body. So there's two general techniques for reduction that I'll go over in a second. Um, basically, the child should be able to use their arm in about five to 10 minutes after you do these. So the first one that's been shown to probably be the most... Uh, uh, to work the best is the hyperpronation technique. And for this one, um, you're actually going to want to put a thumb on the uh, proximal part of their radial head. 
and then uh, hyperpronate their arm uh, really quickly. You may hear a notable pop with this. Um, the next one is also uh, is to do uh, uh, supination uh, followed by flexion, uh, again with traction of the, uh, of the radial head as well. Um, you can combine these two techniques. Everyone has their own little, uh, you know, things that they like to do. But these are two general techniques that uh, work, work very well for this. So let's move on to radius and ulna fractures. Um, there's a couple kinds of these. We'll go over them one by one. So the Montasia and Galeazzi fractures. So uh, Montasia is a proximal ulnar fracture with radial dislocation. And the Galeazzi is a distal radial fracture with ulnar dislocation. Uh, so the mnemonic for this is mugger. So Montasia ulnar fracture, Galeazzi radial fracture, and then the opposite one is dislocated. So the other thing to know is that Galeazzi is second in the mnemonic, and this is the more distal fracture. So this is a Montasia fracture. You can see the ulnar fracture with the radial head dislocation, and this is a Galeazzi fracture. So this is the radial uh, fracture with the ulnar dislocation. So as far as dispositions, Montasia fractures, uh, they can have radial nerve injury and compartment syndrome. They should be reduced and have a long arm splint with ORIF. Uh, Galeazzi fractures, they can also have ulnar nerve injury and compartment syndrome. Um, and the nerve injury here is actually from the dislocated, dislocated part, not the fractured part. Uh, they should get a sugar tongue splint and ortho referral. Um, if it's a very unstable fracture, the reduction is usually unsuccessful. And they may need to go to surgery. So as far as nightstick fractures, this is finally a fracture that's named for its exact mechanism. So this is usually a direct blow to the ulna, uh, usually mid-shaft. Um, you want to make sure you also examine the elbow, and obviously you always want to examine the joint above and below any injury, because this could be a Montasia fracture as well. So as far as dispo, they get a long arm splint. If it's uh, displaced more than 50% or angulated more than 10% ORIF. So here's an example of a nightstick fracture, and there's just a little... Uh, logo in there. So as far as Collie's fracture, this is a distal radius fracture with dorsal displacement of the wrist and forehand. This is called the dinner fork or bayonet deformity because when you look at it, it kind of looks like a bayonet or a dinner fork. Um, the the opposite of this is the Smith fracture, and this is a also known as the reverse Collie's fracture. This is a distal radius fracture with volar displacement of the wrist and hand. So if we go back to the Collie's you know, if you want to think, um, you know, Collies comes before Smith. Collies is higher um, than the radius and ulna. And then Smith is lower than the radius and ulna or whatever you want to use to. So that's the end of part one of ortho injuries. Uh, stay tuned for part two when we'll talk more about uh, injuries of the wrist and hand, as well as pelvis and lower extremities. And until next time, this is Steve Carroll signing off.